1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And I'm also going to give you another passage to keep in mind as we walk through John 15 this morning. And that second passage is Luke 13, beginning in verse 6. Luke 13, beginning in verse 6, it says, Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, how many years? Three years. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. Say one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. You've heard us say that because of the new covenant, we're living in a time of grace. It is the age of grace. But even though we live in the age of grace, our Heavenly Father still expects us to produce fruit. And I wanted to read Luke 13, verses 6 through 9 to you, so you see from the Word of God that yes, there is grace and mercy, but there still comes a time when we've received grace and mercy, and now we're to produce. Now we're to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Now we're to get with it. Smile at your neighbor and say, get with it. Smile at your other neighbor and say, get with it. So praise God for grace and mercy, but there comes a time when we realize, man, I, I've been given a lot of grace, I've been given a lot of mercy, and now I need to get with it and bear fruit and be productive for the kingdom of God. Today's message is signs of life. Signs of life. Why do some Christians seem to flourish and prosper while others seem stuck on an endless treadmill of never making any progress year after year? No progress in their marriage, no progress in their family, no progress in their work or career, no progress in their finances. Why do some Christians seem to enjoy peace in their home and family 
while other Christian homes are full of strife and fighting and bickering and division year after year? Why do some Christians make financial progress and get out of debt while other believers, they have the same prayer requests year after year? Why do some Christians walk in the blessing of the Lord while others seem to never prosper or to never pull ahead? Say this, say, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And say, my obedience makes my faith work. Say, I am a disciple and my obedience makes my faith work. Our obedience makes our lives productive. Our obedience makes our lives fruitful. Now, it's, it's hard to believe that it was just a month, two months ago that we had Ice-mageddon or Snowmageddon or whatever you want to call it here in Texas in February. To me, to me it seems like a, a dream. You know, it, uh, Jessica and I, we have a pool, and we woke up that Monday morning, 6 a.m., the power was off. We thought it had just gone off. We didn't realize it had been off since sometime in the middle of the night. And uh, things froze very quickly. And thankfully, some men came to help me. We were able to break up the ice. But several times a day, every day, that entire week, I was out there busting up ice. I felt like the men in the beginning of the scene in Frozen, which Julia loves to watch nearly every single day. I don't want to ever do that again. Amen? But we had some crazy, crazy weather. And now that we're in spring, now that we're in the, all that goes with spring, we're all looking for signs of life in our gardens, signs of life on our property, signs of life on with the landscaping. We're watching the bushes and the plants and the trees, looking for new leaves, new growth, any sign of life. And uh, if you're a type A productive person, you have to be patient because something could look dead today, but tomorrow there could be signs of life. A few years ago, we had some bushes die, and so we're good stewards. So I had the dead bushes pulled. I had them replaced. Well, about for three years, those bushes have not grown at all since the day they were replaced. I mean, they literally look the same. The landscape guy doesn't have to trim them. They, I mean, they're the same. Except after our crazy winter weather, they've started growing in the past few weeks of all the crazy things. And then there are other things. My father said at 9 a.m., they look as dead as Julius Caesar, but I've noticed in the past few days that at the very bottom, just above the ground, they're, they're beginning to bud. They're beginning to flourish. There are signs of life. And you know where I'm going. When, when things are dead and there are no signs of life after a month, or after two months, or after, after three years, as it mentions in Luke 13, eventually you have to pull it and you have to replace it. Just as we look for signs of life, our Heavenly Father looks at our lives. He's looking for new growth, looking for new productivity, looking for new action. Just as we look for signs of life, our Heavenly Father, He looks at each of our lives and He's looking for new growth, new productivity, new action. And in our lives, are there signs of life? And I believe one of the things that Satan, the enemy, the deceiver is most successful at is getting us distracted and focused on things that do not matter. 
And one of the ways in which he does that, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that, that there's no point looking at the speck of dust in your brother or sister's life when you've got a plank coming out of your own life and out of your own eye. In all of our lives, we have a lot to work on. In all of our lives, we have a lot to improve. In all of our lives, we have a lot to do better. In all of our lives, we have ways in which we can be more productive for the kingdom of God. So our Heavenly Father is looking for new growth, new productivity, new action. Too many of God's people think that faith is like magic or that faith is magic. It's not. Faith in God is about productivity. Faith in God is about productivity. Go over to John 15 beginning in verse 1. John 15 beginning in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, if you have a hard time with this, you need to go to Romans and you need to study what Paul wrote in Romans. Because the Apostle Paul dealt with the fact that in Christ, we have been grafted onto the tree. Praise God for grace and mercy and forgiveness. Praise God for being a part of the family of God. We have been grafted onto the tree through Christ. But Paul says that if the natural branches can be cut off and thrown into the fire, we as the branches grafted in should not be boastful. We should not be proud. We should not be arrogant. And what Paul writes, it's another reminder that we are to bear fruit and be productive for the kingdom of God. So Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. And that word remain means to live in, to settle down in, to take up residence in. So we could say it this way, remain in me, or live in me, abide in me, settle down in me, take up residence in me, and I will remain, or abide, or live in, settle down in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You know, when you cut a branch off a bush, it's dead. And there may be some leaves, there may be some blossoms, but that branch is dead. It can no longer sustain life. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Say much fruit. So in our lives, there ought to be signs of life. There ought to be fruit. There ought to be productivity. And fruit can be seen. And it's like that bush. Maybe you've got a bush in your yard you're picturing or in your landscaping that you're, you're picturing. And it just hasn't produced year after year. And if our, after our crazy winter weather, it's dead. It's really dead. And it is time to pull it. A dead bush or a dead tree cannot bear fruit. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear how much fruit? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. If we remain in him, if we live in, settle down in, take up residence in him, and if his words remain in, live in, settle down and take up residence in us, then we can ask whatever we wish and it will be given to us. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear how much fruit? 
much fruit. So should we in our lives be satisfied with little fruit or next to nothing fruit or a little itty bitty improvement over last year? No, we ought to set our sights higher, amen? We ought to produce much fruit. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing, proving yourselves to be my disciples. As my Father has loved you, so I have loved you. Now remain in me. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. What kind of Christian life is joyful? It is the productive Christian life. It is the Christian life that bears fruit, much fruit, year after year. Number one, Jesus is the vine, and Father God is the gardener. Jesus is the vine, and Father God is the gardener. Verse 1, John 15, 1, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. Say, say I'm a disciple. Say, my obedience makes my faith work. And it's our obedience that produces results. It's us lining our lives up with the Word of God and taking action that produces results. Winners produce, and producers win. Number two, the goal of the Christian life is productivity. Like, like I told you, the, the bushes that we planted, that they, they've not grown year after year. That's not the goal. The goal is not to make no progress or little progress. The goal is to bear much fruit in every single area of our lives. It is us producing and bearing fruit that brings glory to our Heavenly Father. It is us producing and bearing fruit that brings glory to the kingdom of God. The goal of the Christian life is productivity. Say, say productivity. And I have learned that if I'm focused on what I'm supposed to be doing, I'll be a lot more productive than if I'm focused on everybody else and what they're doing. And this is why social media is such a big distraction. Austin, did you see what so-and-so posted? Did you see what so-and-so's doing? Did you see how, how so-and-so's backsliding a little bit? That may be the case, and they should not put it on Facebook. But for me to be product, productive for the kingdom of God, I've got to stay focused on what Austin is supposed to be doing Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. The goal of the Christian life is productivity. So this morning, we're talking about the winning lifestyle which is a productive lifestyle. Not losing, not being defeated, not making no progress or very little progress year after year, not being kicked through life by the devil or by the world. No, we're talking about the winning lifestyle. And again, too many of God's people, they treat faith like magic or faith as magic, but faith in God is about productivity. Say productivity. Sometimes you'll hear me say that it, people will treat the most weird things as being spiritual. If you want to talk about something spiritual, going to work and providing for your family is spiritual because God has commanded us in his word to work and to provide for our families. And the Bible says that if a man doesn't provide for his family, he is in fact denied the faith. So it's obeying God that's spiritual. It's being productive that's spiritual. It's being fruitful that is spiritual. Verse 2, my Father cuts off every branch. How many branches? So our Heavenly Father, He's a good gardener. He's a good pruner. You know, uh, sometimes you get into these husband-wife things 
Once Jessica told me, she said, Austin, I, I want the rose bushes trimmed. Well, I told the guy that does our yard that she wanted them trimmed, and he came through and gave them all a buzz cut. <laughs> Apparently, that's not what Jessica was talking about. She wanted a delicate pruning here and there. She, she wasn't saying, I want a buzz cut where everything looks the same, whether it looks nice or not. So again, we see, though, that our Heavenly Father, He's a good gardener. He's a good pruner. And He cuts off how many branches? Every branch that does not bear fruit. Every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes. Now, if you picture yourself as the branch, pruning is not comfortable. Pruning does not feel good. But as Hebrews says, our Heavenly Father disciplines everyone He loves. And as Hebrews says, his discipline, his correction, his pruning is proof that we're a part of the family. So it may not feel good, we may not like it, but his pruning is for our benefit. So he says every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. Why? So that it will be even more fruitful. Our Heavenly Father wants us to be productive. He wants us to bear fruit, and he wants us to bear much fruit. And so he will, he will prune our lives. He will help us get rid of the distractions. He will help us get rid of the things that ought not be in our lives. But we have a part to play. We have to cooperate. Amen. You got to let him prune your life. Say, I'm a disciple. Say, my obedience makes my faith work. Winners produce and producers win. Number three, since Jesus is the vine and since the goal of the Christian life is productivity, we are encouraged to remain in Jesus and his word. We are encouraged to remain in Jesus and his word since we belong to him, since the goal is productivity. Again, as I said, in the world in which we live, there are a million distractions and they are multiplying every day. That's why as Hebrews says, we got to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Verse four, remain in me. So who are, who are we to remain in? So who are we to be most focused on? And see, we, we have the tendency to get focused on this, to get focused on that. We're to remain in him. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So if we don't remain, we can't produce fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Say, say, much fruit. That is the goal, much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you cannot bear fruit that will last by yourself. We need his help, amen. And because we need his help, we've got to stay in him. We've got to stay in his word. We've got to stay focused. You've got to remain connected to Christ, to the vine. That's to Jesus and to his word, to the word of God. You cannot bear fruit that will last if you allow yourself to be disconnected from Christ and disconnected from his word. And again, we live in a world where there are all these distractions, so we've got to stay focused. Say, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. Say, my obedience, my obedience makes my faith work. My faith work. Winners produce and producers win. Number four, the father, who is the gardener, he doesn't have much use for unproductive followers. Our Heavenly Father, who is the gardener, he doesn't have much use for unproductive followers. In Jesus' day, there was the crowd. And the world has taken the Greek phrase for the crowd, the hoi polloi, 
to mean common people or people of no particular accomplishment. Now in the Greek, the word for hoi polloi, the word for crowd is hoi polloi. But the world has turned that into a negative term, common people, or people of no particular accomplishment. And I, I want to stand out from the crowd, amen? I don't want to be common. I don't want to be a part of whatever the crowd is doing. Typically what the crowd is doing is wrong. Typically the crowd's going off the cliff. I don't want to be a part of the crowd. I want to stand out. I want to be set apart. So I don't want to be a part of whatever the crowd is doing. And in my life, I don't want to be common. No, in my life and in your life, you can be uncommon. Say, I can be uncommon. You know, people say, well, people are doing this, the world is doing that. Who cares? The other day I watched a movie about Samson with our children. But Samson's fall was him wanting to be like the world and wanting to do what everybody else was doing. And what made him special was that vow his parents had made when he, before he was ever born, the Nazarite vow. Him being different, him being uncommon is what made him special. And when he broke what made him different, then he was like everybody else. I don't want to be like everyone else, especially not in 2021, amen? I want to be uncommon. And we should be uncommon because we're followers of Jesus in a lost and dying and wicked world. In Jesus' day, there was the crowd, the hoi polloi. Then there were the 72 who he sent out. Then there were the 12 apostles. And then among the 12 apostles, there were the three, Peter, James, and John. But here's the point. Just as water finds its own level, so too do you find or determine your own level in Christ and in his word and in the kingdom of God. You can be common or you can be uncommon. You can be a part of the crowd, the hoi polloi, or you can be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So that's eventually what happens to branches that aren't productive. They're cut off, they're picked up, they're thrown into the fire, and they are burned. Remember the parable I gave you from Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 6. Let's look at that again. Luke 13, beginning in verse 6. Jesus told this parable, a man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard for three years, how many years? Three years. I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. Say one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So say, say praise God, praise God. for grace. Praise God for mercy. Praise God for second opportunities. And third opportunities. And fourth opportunities. And fifth opportunities. But brothers, sisters, there comes a time when we just have to get with it. We just have to get with it and bear fruit and be productive and produce much fruit for the kingdom of God. Say, I'm a disciple. Say, my obedience makes my faith work. Number five, the power of faith and the power of discipleship, they are one and the same. Verse seven, 
if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. What did James tell us in his epistle? James 2.17, in the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James 2.20, faith without deeds is useless. James 2.26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds, faith without action, faith without fruit, it is dead. Then James 2.24, a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. It is our obedience. It is our productivity. It is our producing fruit and good fruit for the kingdom of God that makes our faith work. Winners produce and producers win. Number six, God is glorified through our productivity. Our not making any progress doesn't bring glory to God. Our not making any progress year after year does not bring glory to God. Us having no fruit or little fruit doesn't bring glory to God. Number six, God is glorified through our productivity. Verse eight, this is to my Father's glory that you bear how much fruit? Much fruit. So does our Heavenly Father have low standards or does He have high standards? Does He have low expectations or does He have high expectations? So we are to produce fruit and not just fruit, much fruit, showing or proving ourselves to be disciples. So God is glorified through our productivity. He's not glorified when our lives are unproductive or unfruitful. He is glorified through our productivity. John 15 and verse 1, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. How many? Every branch that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. Number seven, our productivity in Christ brings us joy. See, who's unhappy? Who's miserable? Who has a sad look on their face? It's the people not making progress year after year. Who, who doesn't have the joy of the Lord? It's the brother. It's the sister that despite their spirituality, all their words from the Lord or whatever it is, they're not producing and bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. It is our productivity in Christ that brings us joy. Verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Psalm 103 verse 5 says, God satisfies our desires with good things so our youth is renewed like the eagles. So as followers of Christ, we ought to be happy. We ought to be joyful. And even though you might say, well, Austin, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s, I'm in my 60s, I'm in my 70s, our youth should be being renewed like the eagles. Why? Because of our productivity and are bearing much fruit for the kingdom of God. Now this should not be a secret, but it seems to be. Why do so few believers act like and talk like God wants to bless them? Why do so few believers act like and talk like God wants them to be productive? It's because they're not producing fruit, much fruit for the kingdom of God. And number eight, Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. He is the ultimate sign of life. And if he is life itself, Zoe life, the life of God, if I'm connected to Jesus, then my life should be full of life. My life should be full of productivity and fruit. Look over at Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. 
the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, or grabbed a hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, where they, there they will see me. So he is the ultimate sign of life. He lives, and he lives in you and me. And if he lives in you and me, and we're remaining in him, and his word is remaining in us, then our lives ought to show signs of life. We shouldn't look like that dead tree. We shouldn't look like that dead shrub bush. We shouldn't look like the bush or the tree that produces one little itty bitty blossom every single year. We ought to be bearing fruit. We ought to be bearing much fruit. And every lives, our lives should be bearing more fruit for the kingdom of God every single year. But what makes our faith works? What makes our faith work? It is our obedience. It is living out his commands in our everyday lives. And that's the difference. When the lives of believers don't bear fruit or don't bear good fruit or don't bear much fruit, it's because they're not working God's plan. It's because they're not a doer of the word in every area of their lives. And in not obeying, not taking action, not doing what Jesus taught, not remaining in him and his word, not remaining in them, they, they show, they demonstrate they have no faith. Look at John 8 beginning in verse 31. John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, say, if I hold, I hold. To, my, to his teaching, I am really his disciple. If you hold to my teaching, then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. Elsewhere in John, Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command. So the truth that we know is the truth that we do. The truth that we know is the truth that we live out. Faith, true faith. Faith in God and in his word is faith lived out. Faith that takes action on the word of God. That kind of faith, it does not produce failure. It does not produce defeat. It does not produce no fruit or very little fruit year after year. No, faith that is lived out. Faith that takes action. Such faith produces good fruit. It produces the fruit of a life lived for God. It produces good fruit. It produces prosperity. It produces abundance. It produces victory. It produces success in every area of life. But say this, say, it's up to me. Look over at Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? This is verse 22, sorry. Verse 22, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge. Say, say hated. Hate. 
and we, these are the days we live in. People hate the truth. They, they want to feel better, but they don't want the truth. They don't want to know what they must do to change their life for the better. And wisdom says, since you hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me, say whoever listens. And listening, as we always say, that's the first step, but then you got to do. You got to implement. You got to take action. Whoever listens to me will live in safety. Say safety. safety. So when you live life God's way, there's safety in that. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. See, why in the last year have we been at ease while everything out there in the world, it's going crazy all around us? It's because we're living life God's way, doing things His way, living His way in every area of life. Whoever listens will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. The world's way, man's way, or your way, or my way, that's the way of destruction. God's way, that's the way of safety, that's the way of ease without fear of harm. Isaiah 55, 9 says, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, enter through the narrow gate. What kind of gate? The narrow gate. The little itty bitty gate. I always think of like an English countryside house with a little fence and a little itty bitty gate made for people that lived 100 or 200 years ago back when people were smaller and thinner, amen, and they can get through that gate. Not, not made for us Americans today. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Remember that picture I painted for you of the crowd, common, what everyone else is doing? Well, what way is that? Is that the narrow way, or is that the wide way? Wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, say many, many, many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So you have to decide, do you want to live a common life or do you want to live an uncommon life? And the uncommon life is a life lived for God. An uncommon life is being a doer of the Word of God. An uncommon life is living life God's way in every area of life. An uncommon life is remaining in Jesus and Him remaining in you and you remaining in his word, and his word remaining in you, and you being a doer of the word of God, no matter what anybody out there in the culture says it, that is what yields fruit, much fruit, that is what produces an uncommon life. And that kind of life is God's, God's best. That kind of life is his best, or as it says in Proverbs 1 verse 33, whoever listens to me will live in safety, and be at ease without fear of harm. His way is the best way, but his way requires that we produce fruit and bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. 
If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.